You're here listening to the podcast because you are in the middle of your life. And the middle of your life is quite fluid these days. You could be 40, 50, 60, 70, or even 80, and you're listening to the podcast, wondering what's next for your midlife or your middle of life. You're wondering, what should I do? What should I start new? Can I start something new? Am I too old to start something new? Am I brave enough? Am I strong enough? Am I deserving of another path going forward? In today's episode, my guest and I talk about that it's never too late to have a new beginning in life. And she said, and I quote, she said, you don't need to ditch your family, run away, and gaze at your navel for six months to reinvent yourself. Hi, it's Heike Yates. I'm the host of the Pursue Your Spark podcast, and I love to welcome you back. And if you're a new listener to the show, welcome, make yourself at home, and enjoy the shows. Enjoy my guests like today with my friend Kat, where we talk all about midlife reinvention. Not like a midlife crisis, but a midlife reinvention. And before we dive in, I'd love for you to check out the Fasted and Fit Spark membership video series, where you can get started getting healthier and stronger, specifically designed with videos for women over 50, designed by me, a woman who is now in her 60s and wants to stay strong, fit, and healthy. So please, Join me in today's episode about rocking your midlife. Enjoy. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower empty nester moms over 50 to take back their health and strength to feel vibrant in their second half of life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of empty nester moms around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies, and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and reliable so you can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring guests who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best in life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, Yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Well, hello, everybody. I am super excited to have my friend Kat Coluccio on the podcast today. Kat is a qualified educator, personal trainer, and life coach. Kat Coluccio is passionate about helping midlife women create fulfilling and purposeful lives. She's the host of the Rocking Midlife Community and Podcast and the author of numerous books, including The 21 Hacks to Rock Your Midlife. A transplanted Australian, Kat lives in New Zealand with her husband of 33 years, adult children, a house full of cats, and she's a Nona of one. Welcome to the show, Kat. 
Thanks, Heike. It's so cool to be here with you. You know, it was so cute when, when I read this because I just became a Oma, which is German for grandma in December. So I can relate to being a grandma now. It's so much fun. You're going to see yours soon, aren't you? I'm heading over my son and his, his wife and their daughter or my granddaughter live in Amsterdam. And so I'm super excited to finally hold this little nugget yeah. and check her out in person. Oh, you, you'll absolutely love it. It's so much fun. I've got a grandson and he's a dynamo, but it's just a really lovely phase of life to go into. Really enjoying it. Oh, very cool. Now, you, I've been to Australia and I've been to New Zealand. And I would wonder, why would you leave Australia for New Zealand? Although I love, love, love both. Oh, gosh. You know what's really funny? When we first moved here, so we're talking 23 years ago, when we first moved here, so many Kiwis asked us the same thing. And we were looking around going, but, but this country is beautiful. What's wrong with you? So it was a number of reasons, but one of them was we were living in Sydney, we were in the suburbs, and it was a rat race. We were commuting for hours every day. It's gridlocked all the time. Um, we just wanted something different. And also my husband was in the construction industry, and in Australia it was six days a week, full days. So we never really saw much of him. He'd be up at four in the morning on the road because he'd have to drive for hours and getting home late. So I was feeling like a single mother, you know, with these two young children that I had. So New Zealand, it was a little bit left field. We came for a holiday and we went back and my husband went, hmm, I really feel we should be going there. But it ended up being wonderful for family. Just it was a slower pace of life. There were, there were less people. I mean, Auckland's grown and it's busy now, but at the time, it just gave us that bit more family time that we didn't have. And construction was five days over here at the time. So he then got to be at the soccer fields with our son and all of those things that he was starting to miss in Sydney. So we really miss all our family in Australia, but it has been a wonderful lifestyle being here. Plus, it's not as hot. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love both countries and they have so much yeah. to offer and there's so Similar, but so diverse in, in, in their yeah. own right. And uh, I, I just love it. And I was like, yeah, I could live in both countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I if I went back to Australia, it's hard because our, our family and my parents are all in Sydney, but we've got a number up further up the coast, the central coast, Newcastle. I could go back to those sort of areas. I could never go back into Sydney. It's just too busy, far too busy. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way about living in Germany. I'd much rather live here in the States than yeah. here in Maryland because we're a little bit outside of Washington, D.C., like 20 oh, minutes. Right, yes. And it's a suburban feeling, even though yeah. we have the metro close by, and it's it's just very relaxing out here. And yeah. I'm definitely not a city girl. Yeah, where I live now, I'm on the fringe of Auckland and the new house we're moving to is 30-odd acres, even further on the fringe. So we're really going to be in country country living within the next month or so. Yeah, I didn't tell you about that bit, did I? <laughs> that is exciting. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Now, when you came from Australia to New Zealand, what do you do for work? Did you work? Did you take care of the kids? What, what did you do? Gosh, well, prior to coming over, um, I had been working at a, as a musician, as a church music director. I had actually written the curriculum and started and launched a whole tertiary training school. Um, I had launched a music 
a community music school. I was lecturing, I was playing, I was doing recordings. I had a, a son and my daughter was a toddler and I burnt out. And I literally was diagnosed with clinical depression and burnout at the age of 33. So when we came to New Zealand, which was just a year later, um, I'd already decided I could never run at that pace again. It was just, just ridiculous. And so I didn't, but it took us a while to sort of get into the workforce here. So it was more a matter of my husband going out and he ended up getting a job in construction, building cell phones, cell phone towers for Vodafone at the time, which meant he was, he had a lovely time. They were having, he was doing helicopter rides all over the country, doing all the sightseeing. Well, I basically became stay at home mother because with no family and we didn't know people that we would trust to mind our kids. So my life for the next few years became very much about being the person who just kept the family together and, and looked after everybody and coordinated all the schedules and, and all of that sort of thing. Eventually, I did start getting back into playing again, went back into the, being a professional musician for a while. But it got to the point where, you know, mum can't come home at three in the morning from a gig when dad's getting up at five to go to work. Someone's actually got to be awake to look after the kids and everything. So I let that go after a few years too. But it was fun while it lasted. Now, you guys need to know that Kat plays the saxophone. This mm -hmm. is how I met her a couple of years back in one of our mutual Facebook groups. And I always wanted to play the saxophone. I don't think I ever will because there's a whole bunch of things involved. But <laughs> it was the coolest thing. Yeah, that was, that was my trade for many years. I was on a music scholarship in high school, which is when I started learning. And then I travelled across Australia at the age of 17 on a bus for three days to audition to get into the Conservatorium of Music and got in and spent another four years doing my degree at the Conservatorium. So it was my trade, literally. I, I was so used to just rocking up and working. You know, you get the call, you turn up with your gear and your stand, you play, you get the check, you go home. It was that kind of working musician life I had for a number of years. So, yeah. You know, when you when we hear you talk today on the podcast, nobody would ever guess that you are an introvert. Yeah. Self-proclaimed introvert. So. And I was like, I read this and I said, Kat? Nah, <laughs> never. Yeah. Very <laughs> much so. Why do you say that? Well, you know, there's a lot of introverts that are in the performing arts. Um, I find it far easier to get up on a stage in front of 20,000 people, which I've done, and improvise, not even know what you're going to be playing, than if I had to go down in the crowd and network and talk to people. That would freak me out. So if I'm task orientated, I've got something I'm there to do, I can get up and speak, I can get up and perform. It doesn't phase me at all. Used to, but I got through all that and I'm very comfortable on a stage. But, yeah, send me to a groom to network. Ugh, can't handle it. Get very very um, overwhelmed. And, and the reality is, um, as you probably know, the difference really between an extrovert and the introvert is how they're energized. So for example, I'm loving it because we're one-on-one -on -one and we've already gone deep before we even started uh, recording, but I'll still probably need time out with no one around me for this afternoon, just, just to kind of just recharge. Whereas an extrovert will go from having our chat now, they'll be so pumped that they'll be like, right, where's the party? I want to keep keep the energy going, where's more people? So that's kind of where the difference is. I, I need time on my own to recharge. And that's why I love writing or 
just you know being able to work from home on my laptop because I I don't have to be constantly bombarded by people yeah yeah we're very similar in that sense I'm like I love my downtime I love my me time and I used I remember when my kids were still at home and uh, I would come home and they were like mom I'm I'm like no no (laughs) I need I need like 10 minutes 15 minutes don't anybody talk to me don't mommy me I just want to have peace and quiet and then I'm available and then when my now husband moved in with us and he would do the same as they did. It's like, hey, mommy, mommy, the kids are like, no, don't, don't. You have to wait at least like 20 minutes. Oh, well trained. <laughs> she needs downtime. Don't, don't talk to her now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what's really, really funny? Um, as we were talking before, New Zealand's had some pretty full-on lockdowns after the la- over the last two years. And it was hilarious, particularly for the first couple of lockdowns, because so many people were messaging myself and each other going, we need to connect, we need to make sure that we've got time. And they were setting up Zoom meetings here, there and everywhere. And all the extroverts were struggling because they were missing that interaction they was used to. I was struggling too, because now I've got the whole freaking family home. So I had people talking in here all the time. So the last thing I wanted to do was then jump on a Zoom call and talk to even more. I was really, really finding it hard to find that space to be able to write or be creative. And uh, and now it's funny because my husband and my son have both graduated from working from home. My son is daughter-in-law and baby actually lived downstairs. So now these people are permanently home. So I've had to learn to, you know, not bite heads off, just to understand that that's how it is, but to make sure I do get that time on my own. So I'll often go just work from my bedroom on the bed, shut the door, just to have that little bit of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we've already talked about a little bit about reinvention, and that's our topic is mm-hmm. to rock your midlife today and reinvent yourself You've already reinvented yourself a whole bunch of time and throughout yeah. that conversation. But most women struggle with midlife if they yeah. are parents with an empty nest. And it's particular in midlife. And oftentimes we hear, oh, it's a midlife crisis. Oh, yeah. Which has such mm-hmm. a negative connotation. So when, from your point of view, why is it that particularly in that at that age, which could be at 40 or 50, now that people have kids later. And even if you're not an empty nester, you're in that same age bracket and you may be dealing with a job change. You've experienced something like that along those lines. Yeah. Share that with us, Kat. Well, the thing about midlife is in general, it's it's like a little gap happens. You've got this gap between those years where you were full on raising your children and running them around all over the place. And in general, a little gap before your parents are at the age where you're needing to look after them or care for them. Now, obviously, that's a generalisation. There'll often be people juggling both. However, it's like you get this little second where you poke your head up above all the things that you're doing. And that's when I find with a lot of women, the big question lands. Is this it? Is this all my life was meant to be? And it's like this this little existential crisis, for want of a better word, happens when we can kind of just get separate to the busyness of our life to that point. And it's the women who are prepared, and the men too, who are prepared to actually face that question head on 
and the ramifications of what might come from following through on that question, they're the ones who you go on to see and you know reinvent or, or take up something different or chase that dream they used to have or create a new dream, whatever it is. They're the ones who actually change and have a reinvention in their life. Others either you know never bother to sort of look up or or they're okay they're happy with what they're doing they're happy with their life more power to them they just truck along as it plays out but there's a lot of women I find that they're in that first group we pause and we suddenly get hit by that question is this it and that's the starting point yeah you had one of those hey is this yeah. it? what am I doing now at 43 what happened I did I did so for my last I'd, I'd made another one of my little reinventions so the last six years at my um uh prior to 43 I ended up homeschooling both of my teenagers because they were both quite elite level in their sports they were traveling the world representing to New Zealand representing New Zealand and so full on with their training that we ended up giving them the option to homeschool, which they both took. Now, my younger child, my daughter, um, particularly flourished with homeschooling. She, so I had two final years with her after my son had already graduated and gone off to study. And he actually went to Germany. He was living outside of Hanover for, for a while there, oh, cool. um, playing in the Bundesliga, second league Bundesliga over there. And okay, I should add, I've been to Germany myself. It's a beautiful country. You know, Love guys, it. you don't need to know where that is, but you just know that this is a big deal that yeah. that cat's son got to play, not just in Germany. Okay, of course, I'm German, yeah. I'm biased, yeah. but to play for another country, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it was a really special time. Um, unfortunately, it got cut short because he got quite ill and ended up having to come home, but it was still an amazing experience. And he actually toured there a number of times with teams and, you know, went to Bremen, played at Bremen, um, played played somewhere in Berlin. Um, we went to Munich. He was at a camp there for, for a week in Munich, which I love. Sorry, I've totally, totally detoured from the question. But, yeah, so, but that's what my children were doing. They were literally um, travelling the globe. So he was going to Germany and Japan a lot with his sport. My daughter was going to the US and Japan a lot with her sport. And in her in particular, her training was like 17 to 20 hours a week. So for a 13, 14-year-old trying to do that um, on top of school, on top of trying to fit in anything else that would, you know, like music lessons or swimming or hanging out with friends, it was just, it was too difficult. So she chose to homeschool and it just, they both flourished, absolutely flourished because they had time to get a great education while having all these experiences. So I was kind of like uber mum you know, for those six years, I put everything into them. That's when I'd stopped taking the evening gigs and uh, I just threw it into them. And because, you know, I was the one driving them to all of these trainings too. So literally all I did was drive all week and feed children, wash training gear and drive. That was, that was kind of my life for a few years. And it got to, she had finished her schooling. She had applied to a number of universities for a number of courses and I remember it so clearly. We were sitting outside on our deck. It was uh, late November and she's sitting there and all these envelopes had come in and she'd been accepted to everything. Like, oh, got this, got that. And she was so excited. She ended up accepting a place at Auckland University doing a double degree. And um, she was so excited. And I was so excited for her. And inside, I felt like I'd been punched because that's when it hit me. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? Because I was mouthed completely redundant 
You know, my daughter did not need her mother driving at a university and checking if she had food on her and looking after her while she's in lectures. And so I had a choice then. I could sit and grieve, which I have seen some women do. They get stuck in that spot because they're grieving the family life they had. And there was that sorrow involved with acknowledging you know, that, that period. I loved being a full-on mother. I loved those years of being with them. I could decide to pick up one of my old trades, what I used to do. So I didn't want to go back and have to hustle against all the young guys to get back into um, playing professionally. I, I was past that. Like, who needs that? <laughs> um, but, you know, I could have gone back into teaching or anything like that, but I just didn't want to do that, particularly you know, when you've homeschooled, your philosophy changes a bit too. So I didn't want to go back into the school system. Plus, it was different to Australia. So I would have had to do some retraining. Or I could choose a new path. And that's what I did. That's when I decided I want to be a personal trainer and hit my whole family very left field because I'd never set foot in a gym myself. So you know, I was just the one running everyone else around. But I actually sat down logically and said, what can I do? I want to do something where I can learn to be healthy, where I can help people, where I don't have to study for another four years. I don't have to do another complete degree and where I can eventually choose my own hours and work around my family. And that's what I came up with. So the following year, I was off in a training school wearing a tracksuit alongside students that were younger than my own children and feeling so like a fish out of water, but it was the best growing experience. Then I ended up working for seven years in a massive bodybuilding gym out in South Auckland, and it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. I learned so much during that time. And what I did now sort of has flown out of a lot of the lessons I learned, learned then. Yeah. You know, you said you don't need to ditch your family, run away and gaze at your navel, which I find hilarious for six months to reinvent yourself. I was like, who would say that to gaze at your navel? It's got to be somebody from wouldn't. But I thought it was just so on point because women sit there frozen, Mm -hmm. uh, grieving. And what do I do now? And what is my hobby? And And where do I go from here? You know, should I re? What, what does reinvention even mean? And in your book, you have four different women types of women. There's the Kim, the Sharons, and the Deborahs, and then yeah. people like Heike and Kat <laughs> that are in midlife. Do you want to talk a little bit about those women? What what type they are? Because I know that my audience will find themselves in one of those. Yeah categories and there's nothing so when you hear that they were not labeling you but it's it's something that you go like oh yeah this is how I perhaps could reinvent myself better because that's the type of uh, person I am yeah Yeah. oh yeah absolutely I should say I should say first, that comment I said about running away and leaving your husband and gazing at your navel for six months, I mean, it's very tongue-in-cheek. Obviously, the eat, pray, love thing was huge with a lot of midlife women for many years. Now, I'm not actually bagging that. I'm just being a bit tongue-in-cheek because what happened, though, is I saw a whole lot of women were like, well, that's what I've got to do to find out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And and I just wanted to reassure people because I'm really practical, you know, practical down-under girl. But actually, you don't have to do a big gesture like that. You can be learning, you can be creating, you can be working out where you want to go in life from where you're at. You don't have to, you know, ditch everything you've known. 
So, yeah, I, I, I did define a few personality types and it was very tongue-in-cheek and it was just based on the ladies that I have worked with and seen over the past decade. I should add, I'm 56 now, so, you know, I've been looking at this, this whole midlife thing ever since my early 40s and so I've, you know, I've seen a lot of different people. So the Kims, the Kims were the ladies I defined as, the, you know, the organic beauty nuts. <laughs> Mainly like, which I'm so not, but I, I look at them and I'm actually amazed. They're the ones who are absolutely driven, who power into midlife well, you know, absolutely beautifully. Like they don't miss a beat. They're the ones still hustling in the boardrooms. They're the ones now owning the boardrooms. They're the ladies that you see in the top 50 amazing entrepreneurs of Forbes, you know, just so disciplined, um, so amazing and, and in all every area of their life. They're phenomenal. They're not me, but they're amazing ladies because I couldn't keep up with that pace. Like I said, I actually burned out at 34 trying to do a similar pace to that. And then I said, this is, this is one that Heike and I often laugh about because we've seen a lot of these ladies. You've got the Debras. The Debras are the ones who you end up, they become like your role models in midlife. So in the same way as young girls, as teenagers, you know, in our era, we looked up to the, um, you know, the Elle McPhersons and the Cindy Crawfords and all the beautiful, beautiful models and people at the time that we used to see in magazines. Those women are still amazing, which is just incredible. But there's a certain type of um, midlife lady, the Debras, who, who will, I see them as like the yoga Instagram models. They're the ones who you'll see, you know, with these aspirational blogs, these beautifully curated Instagram feeds of them doing bend backs with the sunset behind them and staying everywhere and all of that. And, and, and for so many women, it's interesting, that is, that is the way they go. They want to actually move more into that organic sort of, you know, I don't even know how to explain it, but, you know, that sort of more organic but beautiful sort of place. And, and it's interesting because I find there's a whole lot of midlife role models that women start watching so the same way we used to, you know, drool over Cindy and, and all those girls in our youth, these are like the equivalent now in our midlife. They're like our, our models. But a lot of them I find, even though they're absolutely beautiful and we can be so inspired by them, I find that they're also sometimes too, it's, it's like a hard measuring stick for those of us who aren't so genetically beautiful or don't have the money to do the maintenance that these ladies do. And uh, so... They're an interesting category. And I find a lot of ladies are, want to be like that. It's, it's, it's interesting. And then you've got people who are like the earth mothers. I call these ones the Sharon. Now, Sharon's a name that around Australia and New Zealand, particularly in Australia, that we call them, I'll, I'll give you my, my old Aussie accent here. We call them Shazza. Shazza's <laughs> the, Shazza's the Sheila, you know, the Sheila that, you know, goes, I've still got the Aussie twang in there, you know. <laughs> Oh, Shaz, Shaz is flat out like a lizard drinking and uh, she runs around after her family. I've got more of a hybrid accent now from being here in New Zealand. That's but hilarious. I can still swing into the shrine when I need to. But, yeah, she's the one that has been the absolute earth mother. She's the one that's been on every school board, every PT meeting. Um, she's the one who's absolutely made her family her whole life. And I mentioned in the book, you know, she's raised her children and raised her husband as well because she tends to treat the husband as the extra child. And, and she's the one who I find is, is more lost at midlife because she's a little bit like me with that redundancy because all of a sudden it's gone. 
And often if, if she has been really mothering her husband, she's also got a partner that she doesn't know who's simmering with resentment now. And, and she's a real lost puppy, I find. And a lot of women I find actually fall into that because so many of us are not, not guilty, but so many of us do make our family our everything and our worth comes from it. And our identity is tied up in it. Oh, yes, I'm so-and-so's mum and I'm so-and-so's wife. And we're so tied up with that that it's actually earth-shattering when that's kind of gone. So they were the three categories that I loosely grouped for women. Um, you've got the Kims who are powerful, going for it. We're already hustling. We'll keep hustling. Just strong, determined, know what they're doing. You've got the Deborahs who suddenly change direction and want to be the beautiful types and the beautiful models and, and, and live this beautiful aesthetic midlife. And then you've got the average everyday lady, the Sharons, who are just like, oh, my gosh, my world has changed. What the heck do I do now and who am I? And that's where reinvention starts from there. Yeah, I, th I thought when I read this in your book, I was like, this is something great to talk about because... We identify and I look at Instagram and my account and I'm like, oh, wow, look at this. And I'm like, well, yeah. OK, first off, I don't have the body type. Yeah. Second yeah. off, I don't have the patience. Third off, this is just not what I like to do, but good for them. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the homemaker. I am not exactly a homemaker, but I could relate this. I mean, I take care of my kids, take care of whatever needs yeah. to take care of. But I'm more the type of who says, oh, I got free time now. Let's go rock it and do something different. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's when my son, for instance, when he moved out west, he was saying, huh, mom, what are you going to do now when I'm gone? And then he <laughs> went, hmm, oh, what do you always do? And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, right now you love salsa dancing. So right now you go salsa dancing, but you always find something else to do. So I know you're not bored. I know you're not missing me that yeah. much, but it takes time and it takes thinking to yeah. get to that point. Not everybody naturally is like that. And, and uh, my son said, you know, I wish you'd been more mothering. And I'm like, I'm just <laughs> not the mothering type. I cook your meals and I clean your stuff and I give you lots of hugs and kisses and listen yeah. to you when you're heartbroken or give you encouragement, but I'm not that type, that deep into my family. But if you are and you need to reinvent yourself and you need mm -hmm. to rock your midlife, there are certain obstacles that you come across in all of those categories. And yeah. your book talks about the possibilities to release the past, dare to dream, and create a legacy. Yeah. What sparked the idea of the book? And then I want to know a little bit more about your method. Your hacks, oh, as you call them. <laughs> oh, dear. What sparked the book? The book's been brewing for years. So I, I first wrote just a little book called Girl, Get Over Yourself and Get in the Game um, way back. And that was like, after working in the gym, I think about a year. And it was more and more, um, you know, people were calling me gym mum or, you know, because I was the one with, I was the one known for being a bit of tough love. You know, I encouraged them at the same time saying, suck it up, princess, and do your push ups. You, <laughs> you relate to that? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might. And um, 
so that came out of that. And then, you know, I, I wrote my first 21 hacks and the 20 and the teen one. But all of this has just been brewing from my experience, from workshops I've delivered over the years, from working with ladies. And and also, you know, just from my own experiences too. So when I write my books, none of it's rocket science. And I say that a number of times in the book. I'm not coming up with some amazing out there earth-shattering theory. I, I'm actually just giving you some practical steps to help you go from A to B because women get so caught up with the emotion and with the changes that often it's, they just need someone. And it's like a personal trainer, isn't it? They just need someone to help them. Oh, what's the next step? Oh, okay. Now I can take that next step. So my method as such is basically just meeting women where they're at and encouraging them personally to go to that next step, whatever it looks like for them. But in the book, I've actually broken down the 21 hacks into seven different areas and that's kind of based on how I transition how I go from A to B and how I have you know helped other women do the same I basically was working out my practical manual for helping someone create a reinvention and that reinvention may be as simple as I just want to uh, learn to be more fit or learn an instrument or write a book. It might just be one little thing in your life that you want to really reinvent or it might be your whole life. It, it doesn't matter. The steps that I've outlined, you can apply to basically any type of reinvention you want to do. Yeah, I find that when your book starts out with the awakening, yeah. that really struck a chord because based on some of the Facebook groups I'm in, some of the conversations with my clients, of an empty nester mom, or even just a, a woman over 50 or in midlife, which is, yeah. you know, I would almost say midlife is a little bit fluid these days. We, yeah, it is. It is. We're staying younger so long. You could, you could be 40 yeah. right now listening. You could be also 80 because yeah. I know one of my clients who's 80 is listening to the podcast. And I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Is the awakening as so many times I hear, I don't know what to do. Where do I start? I'm yeah. sitting here. I have no ideas. I, I won't, don't want to ask my husband or, or my friends are, they all have stuff to do when I don't. Yeah. What, what would you say to somebody who needs that wake up call? <laughs> well, you know, the very first hack that I have under that awakening section is be real. And I think it's, it's really important that you sit down somewhere away from all the noise and all the opinions and all the should do's yourself and everybody else's and you actually are real about yourself where am I am I where I wanted to be am I happy where I am um, am I earning the income I want to earn um, is my health where I want it to be do I have good relationships? Do I have good friendships? It's, it's basically sitting down and ask yourselves those questions about every area of your life. In fact, I go on and I talk about having a life audit and I actually um, have a little ebook that I actually wrote and with a video to take people through that process where you, you basically audit every area of your life because you can't go forward into something new if you don't know where you are now. You'll just be kind of doing whatever, just you know, being pushed with what the latest trend is or what other people think you should do. And then, you know, you get to 80 and you look around going, oh, how do I end up here? This is not what I wanted to do with my life. And you're out of time. Mm -hmm. See, midlife, I think, is also the time when we get a little glimpse of our own mortality because our, the older generation, our aunts, our uncles, our parents are going. 
And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we're next in line. And that's part of that being real. And until you're prepared to look at all of that stuff and audit what you're happy with, what you're not happy with, you can't go making goals to go elsewhere or to do anything because you don't know what you, what you want to do. Yeah. Where does, does that make that, sense? <laughs> total sense to me. And, and if, it, if anybody has questions, you got to reach out to us on social. Yeah, we'll talk, yes, please. Talk about this in a little while. Yeah. The thing I find is the helplessness that I come across. Yeah. Yeah. The literally, I've raised my kids. You kicked butt with the soccer mom, with whatever else you were doing. And you cooked yeah. these incredible meals. And you went to school and you PTA meetings. And did all, you had this, even a career on the side. And then suddenly yeah. this happens. And it's that frozen in time yeah. guilt. What if I take something that's just for me that's not for everybody yeah. else. and yeah. to me and correct me this could be the either the releasing or the creating space in your yes. book what what do you think yeah absolutely and that's so true I mean we all know about mother guilt don't we and um and even you know wife guilt or any guilt really oh my gosh I'm reading a book on my own but I can see that the dishes need washing oh my gosh I feel so guilty I'll go wash the dishes instead of treasuring that half an hour for yourself and that's something I think you've got to just assess in yourself as part of that being real you know how much of that is you putting things on yourself or uh, allowing other people to put things on you because ultimately you've abdicated something at some point you've abdicated your rights if you're feeling there's guilt from other people but the creating space, um, that's essential. I talk, I talk about decluttering. In fact, it's quite funny. I'm doing a decluttering challenge at the moment. But I talk about physical, digital, and mental clutter. And clearing the clutter at midlife is such a powerful, powerful thing to do. And that's why I talk about it so much. I know some people look at me and go, well, hang on a minute. You're talking about reinvention in midlife, but now you're telling us to go declutter our homes. How does that marry together? But there's so many reasons why, and one of them is because it creates space. And it's not just, wow, I've got more time because I'm not dusting all the knickknacks anymore. It's, it's more than that. You know, <laughs> you know? It, it's, it's like my schedule's now clearer because I've created space where I'm not running around doing all these errands or my thinking is clearer because I've decided to clear that mental clutter of guilt. That's false guilt. That's me telling myself things. That's silly. Um, you know, my physical space doesn't take me so long to maintain anymore because I've stripped back and I've, you know, gotten rid of a whole lot of stuff that was just really in my way. I was spending all my time looking after possessions when I could use that time to go do my salsa dancing lessons. I could go go and start writing that book. I could find a couple of hours a week by doing this. So I think decluttering and creating space goes hand in hand with you then being able to start taking up some of these new things. It's like I said at the beginning too, and you, you brought up, you, know, you don't have to chuck everything out if you want to reinvent, even if you can just find an hour, one hour. I know that some women have incredibly busy lives and, you know, the ones that particularly come to mind are the ones who are the caregivers of, of elderly or, or, you know, disabled children or, or people like that. I mean, I know a few women like that and their time is, is so taken up doing everything for someone else and they, they have such thankless jobs in some ways. And my heart for them is that they can carve out an hour if need be, just an hour to find something that brings them joy. 
It doesn't have to be something that changes the world. It might just be go and do your salsa dancing for an hour. You're not going to be a professional. You're not going to go on competitions, but it's something that brings you joy, fills your bucket, then do it. We need to get rid of the guilt, declutter all the stuff out of our lives that no, doesn't serve us anymore, and then work out what do we want to do? What do we want to do in that time? Do we just want to be able to create? Do we want to start a side hustle? I, I was telling Heike earlier, my next book is actually called Your Midlife Side Hustle because for a lot of women that's part of it because they actually want to be more financially stable and they want to have the joy and create a legacy through their business. It may just be purely that you want to write down your life story for your family. There's so many different things you can do. There's no one size fits all, but the creating space is necessary for all. You know, you tapped on so many great things because one of my clients is actually writing uh, his biography. Oh, cool. He's 93 and he has somebody oh, helping him. Lovely. So, uh, he, he does that. Then uh, another person that I'm thinking of does exactly what you said with, with the creating space and saying, okay, now I want to do something different. And actually this person I'm thinking of pushed her boundaries so far that she's now actually competing in ballroom dancing. Wow, good so, for her. So the relative wow. new friend, actually, and she is, she's like, everything you say speaks to me. And I'm now ballroom dancing. I was like, great. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so, you know, when you said about clearing the clutter, it's funny that you say that. That was the name of my very first brand. Oh, wow. <laughs> Before Pursue Your Spark was born. Wow. It was near the clutter. And back then I was new in the, in the online world. And uh, as a trainer of 35 years in a studio mm. in a one-on-one -on -one setting, I didn't know how to deal with this because people always said, and you tapped on this, it's not about just cleaning out your closet. Yeah. And I, that was the idea I was trying to present and uh, never really got the handle of it, of what you had explained so well in the creating space. It's not just about folding the pullovers and do a yeah. Maria condo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, so important to do that. And, and every step helps. And I also think when you think of what's the smallest thing I can do is maybe I cook a different meal. Yeah. That is something new this is something exciting this is something different mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. now, when you created your space and i know i'm skipping over a whole bunch of that's steps, okay but i it's want so people cool. to get your 21 hacks to rock your midlife book so they can follow the steps actually how do you create your legacy as a parent or as a mom okay well i mean legacy is right at the end it's the last category in there because I think everything beforehand leads to it. So it's, it's a little tricky to really nail that without all the foundation. But basically it comes down to you. It, it's part of that life audit thing again, really. It's you when you're sitting back, auditing every area of your life, your finances, your relationship, your family, your emotional needs, your hobbies, your business, whatever. But it's you also then sitting back and going, what do I want to be remembered for? How do I want my family to look at me? You know, it's, um, I think the thing that really made it come to mind for me, and this is what I've got to try and get through without losing it, um, in 2019, on the morning of my son's wedding, my closest friend uh, died. And, um, yeah, and uh, she had horrendous breast cancer and it took her out so quickly we didn't expect it. It just from six months, six weeks from finding out, oh my gosh, it's back to boom, that was that. 
And oh. she's the one the first book was actually dedicated to, the first 21 hacks, because she was the systems lady, um, always taught people how to do systems. So it took Darlene's passing whew, to really make me stop and think, well, what was her legacy? And her legacy was love and, and kindness and friendship and Everyone knew her as this beautiful, warm, warm woman. And, um, and that, you know, other than the loss, which is hitting me again now because I haven't talked about this for a while, you know, that made me stop and think, what is the legacy I want to leave? Because yeah. a legacy doesn't have to be monetary. You know, a legacy doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be physical. What is the legacy you want to leave for the people in your life? for the people who love you, uh, for the people who mean something to you. For some women, it will be they'll go create an amazing legacy that's like a philanthropic type thing, you know, where they set up a charity or they give back or it may be a really huge public type of legacy. For others, it might be that for the next two generations, their ch you know, children, their grandchildren, so on, remember the, the mum who baked the best chocolate chips cookies with love. Yeah. That's what legacy is. And I think at midlife, we need to pause when we audit our lives and we need to pause and go, what is the legacy I want to live? Otherwise, again, it's that 80-year thing. You'll be there at 80 going, oh, my gosh, I haven't done what I wanted to do. I haven't passed on what I wanted to pass on. I haven't, I haven't created what it was that I really wanted to leave for my family. Yeah, so that's what legacy is. Yep. And your personal philosophy is it's never too late to have a new beginning in life. Absolutely. <laughs> which really sums everything up that we've talked about in midlife, about the 21 hacks, about the path forward, about who we are in life and who we might become. Yes. We just took the first step and awaken to move forward and, and really don't let fear hold us back or guilt. Yeah. And what would you tell our listeners as your final thoughts before we close? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Other than buy my book and, you know, it's on <laughs> Amazon, you know, that we come to that later. <laughs> oh, dear, no. I think, it's, I think it's every woman listening, whether you're a Deborah, you're a hustler, or whether you're, you know, you're, you're, you look like you've got it all together. Every one of us deals with self-doubt. And self-confidence, lack of confidence at some point, particularly, you know, when we start to get more wrinkles and interesting hairs coming out of your chin and things like that. But, you know, the thing I would like every woman listening to realise is that you're worth it. You're actually worth it. Whatever you decide to pursue, whatever you feel called to do in this next season, you're worth it. It's okay. You can do it. You're allowed to. You've got permission to, because often people need to hear that. I know I've needed to hear that sometimes, as silly as it is. You're worth taking these opportunities. You're worth exploring this path. So that would be my, my comment to any woman listening. You are worth it. Go do it. Go be the person you, you know deep down you're called to be. That's powerful. So I thank you for that. And now, where can people reach you on social and, and get your book? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, everything can be found basically on catcoluccio.com. Good luck spelling that, but I'm sure like you will have it written out. One L two C's. <laughs> yep. So you don't yeah. worry, we put all the links in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> Story of my life. You probably get the same. Uh, yeah, so everything's on catcoluccio.com. You can find all the links from there, or you can go to 21 hacks all in words, all in letters.com if you want to just go straight to finding out more about this book or my other books, or you can find it on Amazon. But like I said, all the links come off catcoluccio.com. I'm Cat Coluccio on Facebook. My group is Rocking Midlife. We would love to connect with you if you'd like to be part of it. And yeah, please leave any messages like like I was saying. If if anything in our conversation has has really stirred something in you, please reach out. I, I, I email back everybody who emails me. Please reach out. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. And if you want to get Kat's uh, ebook, The Five Tips to Make Your Midlife Rock, yep. you can get that at rockmidlife.com. So that's a yes. good start for all of you. If you're not sure how to go about it or join the Facebook group. Kat is there for you. But I warn you, she lives in New Zealand. There's a time change. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> but we can make it work. Yeah, that, that ebook is free, everybody. So please go grab it, rockmidlife.com. It's my gift. So yeah. That's fantastic. So thank you, everybody, for stopping by today and listening to the Pursue Your Spark podcast with my guest, Kat, today. And we love, as I mentioned earlier, we love to hear from you. We are not just saying that at the end of every episode, because we are, as you probably learned today, very social women. And uh, even though Kat is an even introvert, though we're <laughs> as long as she gets her downtime. Exactly. But- but we want the conversation to continue because yeah. I want you to know that you're not alone, that you're not alone dabbling around in the dark, hoping yeah. that some imaginary spark comes your way and that life will be beautiful. It takes work, but there are steps that you can take to have an awesome midlife and beyond. So reach out to Kat on her social handles and you know where to find me it's Heike Yates on Instagram and Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark on Facebook and also on YouTube Heike Yates where we both actually hang out and with that my friends have the most wonderful day and we'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast ciao